0: This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Hello and welcome to this week's Techno podcast. My name is Neil Sparks and I'm the National Manager SMSF Strategy at BT Financial Group and part of the BT Technical Services team. We're a group of qualified individuals who are available to assist you with any advice, technical and strategy related queries as you plan and make recommendations for your clients. This week I'm going to be giving an update on uh, the latest in the SMSF legislation and policy front um, and obviously the best place to start if we're looking at current consultations and policy would be of course with the quality of advice review and the education pathway consultations if that's something you're particularly interested in I'd encourage you to go to the BT website so bt.com.au look up the BT Academy and go to this week's webinar which was episode 60 run by our very own Brian Ashenden where um, titled need an extra hour per day Uh, and in that webinar Brian will talk extensively about the quality of advice review and the education experience pathway. So head over there uh, to get the information that you're looking for. So I'll sort of start off by talking about um, some recent sort of legislative changes. So if we think about some of the um, policies that were enacted in the 2021 federal budget, uh, specifically the Treasury Law Amendment, so the Enhancing Superannuation Outcomes for Australia's bill, uh, which is from 2021, and specifically look at downsizer contributions, uh, the work test reforms, and of course, ECPI as it relates to self-managed funds. Now, downsize is an interesting space because we've now seen that from the 1st of July 2022, the eligibility age for a downsizer contribution has dropped from age 65 to age 60. All the normal uh, qualification criteria apply. And again, if you're interested in more detail around downsizer and strategies, I'd recommend that you look for that topic in the BT Academy because we do have a presentation that talks to it. Now, interestingly, Another bill, so bill number 22 has just gone through, sorry number two has just gone through the House of Representatives and is in before the Senate. Now I stress this is not yet law but this one is to look to drop the age for individuals that make a downsizer a contribution using those proceeds of sale of a main residence uh, to superannuation to age 55. Um, that measure will start after the in the first quarter after the bill receives royal assent so at the moment we expect that that could be 1st of January 2023 but obviously it hasn't uh, passed yet so presently age 60 to use downsizer but we may see that change to 55 very quickly course the other one was the change in the contribution rules and the work test reforms for people aged between 67 and 75 who can now contribute to super without needing to meet a work test and that applies for all contributions made on or after the 1st of July 2022. Now these rules have been significantly altered Um, the work test has been removed from the superannuation industry supervision rules so the CIS Act uh, around the contribution and acceptance rules and they've been transferred into the Tax Act. Now this operates uh, as a precondition for tax deductibility of personal contributions rather than a precondition for the trustees acceptance of personal contributions so we've moved the bar or the barrier to entry on a superannuation contribution from the trustee to the the ATO. So we have a situation now where if someone aged between 67 and 75 makes a contribution to super uh, and wants to claim a tax deduction for it, they can make the contribution before they've met the work test, they just won't be able to claim the tax deduction until after they've satisfied the work test at some stage during the financial year. Now, that could cause problems for some clients uh, because they may find themselves in situations where they've made the contribution to super and made their non-concessionals and suddenly due to illness or ill health, aren't able to meet that work test during the financial year which of course means they won't be able to claim the tax deduction and they'll suddenly go into an excess uh, non-concessional situation because that contribution that was going to be um, concessional in nature after they claimed a tax deduction will suddenly switch over to be a non-concessional contribution and if they've already maxed the bring forwards they could have themselves uh, quite a problem. Now I mentioned earlier if you want to catch up on some more of the topics around contributions uh, Matt Manning did a great session episode 55 uh, 2022-23 contribution strategies in July this year. So jump on the BT Academy website and you'll be able to find Matt's uh, deep dive into all things contributions. So there's lots of material there um, for you to get your head around. If we um, think about the C- contribution rule changes a bit further obviously the big opportunity there will be uh, re-contribution strategies for people who are aged 67 to 75 a chance to tidy up from an estate planning perspective uh, switch taxable component to tax-free component, uh, equalize member balances between spouses if someone's above the transfer balance cap. Um, so there's lots of opportunities there. And as I said, Matt's presentation will cover those things off. Some of the important considerations of course are things like the total superannuation balance. So before you enter enter, enter into any cash out and recontribution type strategies, make sure you're aware of what the client's total super balance was at the close of 30th of June the previous year. Another big change from an SMSF perspective are the ECPI uh, changes. So this is now where you have the opportunity to uh, choose. The method of uh, ECPI calculation that applies to your self-managed super fund clients um, which basically employs a couple of the previous year rules. So a change to uh, tax law um, and that gives the choice not to treat assets as segregated current pension assets and of course that applies for the 2021-22 income year. Um, so this change to claiming ECPI where the SMSF has part of its income uh, during the year in pension phase uh, or of course part in um, accumulation phase. So the option now to make the choice uh, of either of the previous methods, a default option but of course the disregarded small fund asset rules still apply. Um, Hard in a podcast without a visual, but potentially what we're talking about here is if during the course of the year uh, the client or clients in their SMSF may not have been a hundred percent in retirement phase and those contribution rules may have changed things so you might have started the year on the 1st of July hundred percent in pension phase um, but of course with the opportunity to do some cashing out and recontributing, um, you might have made a, a new contribution to your super which of course puts some of your proceeds now in the accumulation phase uh, before you then restart a pension with those new amounts so During the course of the year, your SMSF has changed from being 100% pension phase to partially an accumulation phase, back to pension phase, and so on and so forth. So what this does is gives you the option to choose between that proportionate method uh, and using an actuarial certificate uh, or the segregated method where there is no actuarial certificate required. So this choice to treat the assets of the fund for the income year um, as not being segregated current pension assets is a good uh, advancement. It's important when you're making the choice Uh, that it's made before lodging the funds income tax return um, that the trustees choose to treat all of the assets of the fund for the income year as not being segregated current pension assets Uh, it's important to remember that it's not a formal election this is not something that needs to be lodged with the ATO but you will need to keep records in your file um, showing the calculations and details that you've elected to use. Now importantly if you didn't make an election um, then the current law will be that the default option is how the eCPI is determined. Another one of the changes that went through is the MyEFO 2020 pension measures. Um, this was a ATO alert, number 10, 2022. And this is looking at your life expectancy or lifetime complying pensions or market-linked income streams. In the event that previously you had a commutation with those since July, 2017, um, to a market-linked income stream, you would have had a transfer balance cap X But that excess would have been trapped inside the fund. Um, What this change is allowing you to do is to uh, commute the transfer balance cap excess uh, and put it back into something like an accumulation account or take it out of superannuation if you wanted to. So that will resolve that perpetual excess transfer balance tax issue um, from from going forward. Um, So there's a debit and a credit that arise on the date the regulations commence. Now the regulations commenced on the 5th of April. So if you had restructured a fund back in 2017, you haven't got a situation where Where you've got five years of um, excess transfer balance tax, it'll only be measured from the 5th of April 2022. So of course the real thing for advisors here uh, is if you've got a client in this situation to get onto it quickly uh, and commute that excess out of the pension so that you resolve the transfer balance tax issue um, as as quickly as possible because obviously the tax is calculated based on the number of days in the period. So the longer it takes, um, the higher the tax is going to be. So um, and of course the benefit with this beyond getting rid of that excess this will be that that money that was previously frozen away in these lifetime, uh, life expectancy complying pensions uh, will now be available back to the client. So whether that's in an accumulation account or out of superannuation altogether. So that's a a good pragmatic approach that's being taken. Now, of course, there's been a couple of federal budget measures that haven't been enacted yet. Um, One is for those legacy product conversions. So the opportunity to uh, give a two-year amnesty to convert those market linked income streams life expectancy or lifetime complying pensions back to an accumulation phase Um, but we haven't seen any more of this since it was announced in the former budget so we're not keeping our fingers crossed on that one Uh, but of course if there is any changes um, BT will absolutely let you know. And the other piece of budget sort of news that hasn't been enacted yet, um, self-managed super funds. There was a proposal to relax the residency requirements for SMSFs from the 1st of July 2022. What we're talking about here is the central management and control test, the safe harbour provision that allows you to be out of the country um, on a temporary basis for two years. The government proposed to extend that from two years to five. Uh, but as I said, nothing. Thing has happened yet, and of course to remove the active member test from both small self-managed super funds and small APRO funds. Uh, but unfortunately, neither of these steps have um, taken place yet. Another big one to think about is the director ID situation so if you're a corporate trustee you're a director of a corporate trustee company uh, and you were one prior to the 31st of October 2021 then it's a requirement that you apply for your director identification number or DIN uh, prior to the 30th of November 2022 so we're about eight weeks away now from that deadline so if you were the trustee or sorry director of a corporate trustee company of a self-managed super fund prior to the 31st of october 21 um, you need to get your uh, house in order and organize your director id it does not take long to do um, through the myabr i think it is website the ato uh, government sorry now um The problem with the director ID side of things is if you are an existing self-managed super fund with a corporate trustee uh, and you want to restructure, so bring new members into your fund or new directors, they will need to have their DIN in place before they are appointed as a director of your corporate trustee company. Um, if you have an existing self-managed super fund with minors as members, so you've got your children as members of the fund, and I mean under 18 children, uh, if they suddenly become, or oh, turn 18, then you have to make sure they've applied for their DIN um, before they're appointed as a director and corporate trustee uh of the SMSF as well and of course when that happens you also have to notify the ATO and ASIC of that change of trustee director status. If your company constitution has a successor director clause, so if a director is automatically appointed on another director losing uh, competency or dying or being disabled, then you would need to make sure that that successor director also qualifies and has their director ID in place before appointing them. Um, And and the last one is any SMSF that uh, was in place before October 2021 last year and had a corporate trustee but hasn't yet applied for their director ID and was thinking they'd wind up the fund at the 30th of June this year, if that hasn't finished yet and the fund isn't wound up before the 30th of November deadline, um, it they would still need to apply for their director identification number. So existing SMSFs winding up still need to apply for their DIN. Um, The SMSF association is seeking clarification and relief from the ATO on that one, um, but as yet we haven't seen anything. Another big piece of news for self-managed super funds is of course the change to T-bar lodgements. So transfer balance account reporting that's going to come into place from the 1st of July 2023, so next year. Um, currently you only have to do uh, T-bar reporting if you've got a member in the fund, uh, sorry quarterly, if you have a member in the fund who has more than a million dollars. Now whether that member's in pension or not, if there's any member in the fund with more than a million dollars, you have to do T-bar reporting is the current process for a self-managed super fund. The change that's coming with effect from 1 July 2023 is that all SMSFs uh, will have to report quarterly. So we'll move from an annual report if there was nothing happening and and no members uh, under a million to now being a quarterly report for all SMSFs. So you're looking at your October to December period reporting by the 28th of January because you have to report by the 28th day uh, after the end of each quarter so 28th of january for the period october to december 28th of april for the period january to march 28th of july for your period april to 30 june and 28th of october for the period 1 july to 30 september Um, so commutations in response to an excess transfer balance determination still have to be reported earlier so that's within the 10 business days after the end of the month in which the commutation occurred uh, or a response to a commutation authority must be reported by the legislated due date as specified on the notice. So big changes coming to TBAR if you're getting your SMSF administered by an accountant who provides an annual service they might need to change the way they approach uh, administration because there will be this requirement requirement for TBAR reporting on a quarterly basis. Um, SuperStream has had some glitches for self-managed super funds it hasn't been a perfect uh, scenario the ATO is offering some temporary relief based on these teething issues Um, so to assist SMSFs with rollovers in specific situations and those situations are a rollover from an SMSF to an APRA fund or from one SMSF to another SMSF Um, so it's not offering a solution from an ApriFund to a self-managed super fund now if you're an SMSF trustee and you've encountered issues obtaining an electronic service address you can contact the ATO to obtain agreement to perform the rollover outside of SuperStream the ATO will check if the fund has an SMSF messaging provider that provides rollover services and if it does the ATO will ask the trustees to contact the provider for more assistance and if it doesn't the trustee can request to undertake the rollover outside SuperStream now if you do undertake the rollover outside SuperStream the ATO will confirm over the phone that the fund can use a paper process for a rollover uh, and make a record of the approval Because as you know the SIS regulations impose a requirement to comply with SuperStream Um, so you will will need to let your fund auditor know that you got that ATO approval to use a paper based rollover as opposed to the SuperStream service. And that way the auditor won't be required uh, to report a contravention to the ATO gnarly Uh, it's a whole nother topic but non-arms length expenditure and non-arms length income there has been some developments and uh, there's a lot to look at there so I I probably won't go into too much detail Um, suffice to say that some of the biggest ones are if there's an asset acquired at less than market value then you can have a gnarly situation occur Um, and a good example here would be if in the past you took a million dollar building um, and had your SMSF buy $700,000 of the building and the other $300,000 was written as a uh, non-concessional contribution to super. So this full value of a million dollars went into the fund. The ATO's view on Gnarly doesn't see it that way. Uh, They would see that the asset was acquired at less than market value for $700,000, which means all income from the asset, including capital gains, would be taxed at Gnarly forever. So it's a tainted asset forever. So instead of being concessionally taxed in super at 15% or better, you would now have a situation where it's taxed at 47%. So we we don't want that. So the solution is to... uh, the SMSF would buy 70% of the building for $700,000 on a $1 million building, and the remaining 30% would be contributed via the non-concessional contribution. So it's it's recognising that the cash purchase price only reflected 70% of the building; the remainder was a concessional contribution, or sorry, a non-concessional contribution. So the result's the same, 100% of the buildings in the fund, it's just the way it's captured will make a big difference to that gnarly situation. Um, So the other one to look at there is uh, LCR 2021-2, which looks at general fund expenses and and their um, how they're provided by the member in their capacity as trustee Um, some of the other developments the atos come out in pcg 2025 5 and said they won't be allocating compliance resources to NALI again in the 21 22 or 22 23 financial year Um, but the problem with that is if your fund is being audited for other purposes and they come across one of these gnarly situations um, they obviously will use that information as part of their process Um, so you could still get a a gnarly outcome so they're they're not saying they won't be looking at gnarly they're just saying they won't be deploying resources additionally to um, explore gnarly situations in smsfs the other one was pcg 2016 5 has been updated now that was the paper that looked at Uh, limited recourse borrowing arrangements and loans from related parties. So again, from a gnarly perspective, If you complied with the requirements in 2016-05 and restructured your loans by the 31st of January 2017, which was the deadline, um, then that asset wouldn't be looked at under the Gnarly rules. Uh, If you hadn't restructured it, then they would be. So Gnarly remains an area of confusion for self-managed super funds. The ATO's released a guidance on uh, investments in crypto assets. So that guidance is QC54800 and it was released on the 29th of June this year. Um, interestingly, the ATO statistics in June tell us that there's now a shade under $1.4 billion in cryptocurrency assets held in self-managed super funds. Uh, last time I looked, it was, that number was about $240 billion. So it's gone up fivefold in the space so I think 12 to 18 months. Um, The guidance looks at the rules around acquiring crypto assets because remember section 66 still applies. Uh, The requirement of your investment strategy and the funds trust deed um, to make sure that crypto or digital assets are an approved investment both in the strategy and the funds trust deed. It looks at that ownership and separation of assets. So making sure your cryptocurrency wallet is in the name of the SMSF so that you're not breaching that um, separation of personal assets from fund asset rules, it looks at the valuation side of things, related party transactions. As I said before, um, the the rules in section 66 about how you can what you can acquire from a related party haven't changed, and cryptocurrency doesn't fit any of those rules. Um, how the sole purpose test works, uh, pensions and benefit payments, and valuation methods for cryptocurrency. So if you're interested in crypto, uh, that's a very good place for you to have a look at. And of course, the, the last one I'll probably talk about is um, the, the finding in Hill versus Zuda Proprietary Limited in the High Court of Australia. This case looked at estate planning and binding death benefit nominations in a self-managed super fund, um, particularly looking at CIS Regulation 59 1 small a and 1 capital A and Regulation 6.17a. There's been lots of cases that have looked at binding death benefit benefit nominations and whether they lapse after three years they've all been decided in state supreme courts so this is the first time it's gone up to the high court and the high court's opinion has come back um, that a superannuation death benefit um doesn't cease to have effect at the end of the period of three years so in other words uh Regulation 617A has no application to a self managed super fund, and this is a great result for SMSFs because it gives certainty that a self managed super fund binding death benefit nomination can last indefinitely and will not expire after three years. Um, so, that's definitely a, a high point to finish on. So, on that, uh, as you can tell there's always a lot happening in the regulatory space Um, stay tuned for the upcoming October edition of the 2022 federal budget so we're going to have a special federal budget on the night of the 25th of October and of course as always if you want to know more uh, contact the BT technical services team so in closing uh, if you have any questions on these or advice strategy questions for your clients please contact the bt technical services team on 1800 655 901 or email the team at technical btfinancialgroup.com uh, you can also join us for our regular fortnightly bt academy webinar series where we discuss all things technical and regulatory in the financial advice space. Our next session is scheduled for midday on Wednesday, the 12th of October, 2022, when Matt Manning will be presenting our next strategy webinar titled, The Three R's of Estate Planning and Advice Strategy, which will be exploring how good estate planning involves establishing an effective arrangement, which results in the right amount of funds ending up in the right hands at the right time This case study based webinar explores estate planning advice strategies which can be implemented before and after death, including those involving superannuation death benefits, managing capital gains tax, and social security eligibility. To register for that session or to view any of our previous webinars which are available on demand, head to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. All of our webinars qualify for CPD points. Until next time, uh, bye for now. Thanks for listening. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory, and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations, or needs.